The date is December 30th, 1944, and the time is 7 p.m. And now, let's break for the news as reported by W1XK's Richard Silvio. You're listening to 1030 on NBC's Red Network. Flash! Pinter's menace Nazis! Yanks reduce escape corridor to 13 miles! Patton breaks Shaw Riverline, hits border! Hodges drives foe spearheads back 12 miles! Yanks take 15 towns, Germans slaughtered! Paris! The German westward thrust through Belgium has been driven back 12 miles by the United States 1st Army, and the powerful assault of the United States 3rd Army on the south has narrowed to 13 miles the enemy route of retreat to the right, late report said tonight. We now go to Ms. Dorothy Dixon, Boston, for today's society news. Hello, this is Dorothy Dix speaking on the topic of sharing married men. Perhaps it's because all of the boys their own age are off fighting in the far corners of the earth. Or maybe it is just the copycat complex in girls that makes them think they must do what all the other girls are doing. But, for whatever reason, the whole Bobby Sox Brigade appears to suddenly have lost its head and its heart over married men. Which is sentimental phenomenon that is brand new in all the annals of romance. Therefore, the teenagers have turned a scornful instead of an amorous eye upon husbands and daddies and regarded the head of families as not only the legitimate property of their owners, but also the second-hand goods that they did not want themselves at any price. What they craved are the dates with lads as young and nimble and jittery as they are themselves. They lumped all men with domestic ties in the has-been class and never, even in their wildest dreams imagining, made them heroes of their girlish dreams. These girls are indulging in the current fad thinking themselves in love with married men are courting danger. Thank you, Dorothy. We now break for the Boswell Sisters, succeeded by NBC's Assignment Home. The object of my affection can change my complexion from white to a rosy red. Anytime he holds my hand and tells me that he's mine. Many boys who can thrill me and some who can chill me, but I'll just hang around and keep acting like a clown until he says he's mine. Now I'm not afraid that he leave me. He's not the kind and takes a dare, but instead I trust him implicitly. He can go where he wants to go, do what he wants to do, I sure don't care. Oh, the object of my affection can change my complexion from white to a rosy red. Anytime he holds my hand and tells me that he's mine. The object of my affection can change my complexion from white to a rosy red. Anytime he holds my hand. Fine enough, in fact, for one more chorus. Okay, Jimmy. 
tired-faced whack lieutenant. He just lies there. Once or twice, the lieutenant smiles at him. But he just lies there. Wonders how she can look at them. Wants to be sick. Wants to die. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll get it done. Don't rush me. Would you like some, too? Would you like some beer, too? No. You're allowed to have it in this ward. I'm on my way to get some. It wouldn't be any trouble. No. Okay. If you change your mind, just sing out. I think I owe you an apology. For what? For sort of picking you up, trying to start a conversation. You see, when they brought you in this morning, Major Biddle, he's your surgeon, told me you had been to Casablanca. So what? Well, I had a cousin there, in transportation too. I was wondering if you... His name's Turner, Dick Turner. A lieutenant. Yes. He's all right. Were you in the same company? No. But you knew him? He's all right. I... Go away, will you? I'm sorry. I should have realized you'd be sleepy after that trip. Not sleepy, just... Go away. Go away! First Lieutenant Virginia Turner heard from her cousin yesterday and knows he is all right. But First Lieutenant Turner has a job. A job that must begin by striking up conversations with men who fear they will always be alone. First Lieutenant Turner, you see, is an army psychiatrist. When T-5 Harold Ingalls lost his face, he lost something else. His heart. That, too, must be restored. That, too, is a problem for the three people who sit now in a conference room in the hospital. A few days after Ingalls arrives, Lieutenant Turner, his psychiatrist, Major Biddle, his plastic surgeon, and Colonel Traska, chief surgeon. His mental condition is that bad. I'm afraid so, Colonel. And medically? Seven operations already. Before he's through, at least 20 more, sir. Conservatively, two years then. If there are no major setbacks. Two years. At least. Are you a pessimist, Major? I'm a surgeon. Two years. Well, let's get down to work. What happens when you're given him a face, Major? Lieutenant? Discharge, I'm afraid. The shock was much too much for him. How much do you think he knows now? Of what his face will be like when you're through? Yes. A little now, but when he begins talking to the others, when you begin telling him what you're going to do... He'll realize. Yes. Sooner or later, they all realize the truth. What about his seeing his family, Lieutenant? I don't think he's ready for them yet, sir. What about operations? They're our only hope. If he begins to see, to understand what the Major Biddle can do... Two years, Lieutenant. Two years to build a man inside and out. I know. Think you can last two years, Lieutenant Turner? Major, every night I pray more psychiatrist workers will suddenly join up the droves. Then every morning, I look at those boys and I just pray the day will last long enough enough, long enough for me to get to them all. Better pray you'll last long enough. Ingalls is going to be a tough one. Harold Ingalls' mother used to joke about his eyelashes. It was so long, she said, it wasn't fair. Now, T-5 Ingalls has no eyelashes at all. No eyebrows. And the lids over his harsh blue-gray eyes are so burned it is hard to shut them. He'd like to shut them, though. He'd like to shut out the world of mirrors and of other people's eyes which might flinch looking at him. Across the ocean, the remainder of his buddies are unloading ships in Sicily now. 
He doesn't care. He doesn't care to listen to Major Biddle and Lieutenant Turner as they sit by his bed on this rain-soaked morning. He doesn't care about anything. I'm going to like working on you, Ingalls. The Major always likes a tough job. Makes him outdo himself. And I'm going to play fair with you. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm doing and exactly how I think you're coming along. I can see. Sometimes you can't see improvement. Even so far, you've come a long way. Yeah, across an ocean. No, you have... You want a cigarette? I've got some. There was a boy we discharged last week whose face had been burned. Light? Thanks. He couldn't do that for a year. Do what? Look at a match without flinching. You've come a long way. I can still see. The Major showed me this picture of you. What eyelashes? My mother! What? Nothing. I thought that would be a good place to start. With your eyelids. Eyelashes. Eyebrows. What do you think? What do you think of starting there? I don't care where you start. I don't care if you start at all. I don't... Maybe you don't care now, but you will when you see what the Major can do, Harold. You thought your eyelashes were long? You can have the longest eyelashes in the world. You see, the hair I use is going to come from the back of your neck. It'll look like your lashes. It'll grow. You'll have to give your lashes and brows a haircut. Like a freak. Son, I'm only doing what I said. Playing fair. Telling you the truth. But you have to find... But you'll have fine-looking eyebrows and eyelashes. It's not so tough to cut them, Harold. Do what you want. Well... We'll start this afternoon. Coming, Lieutenant? Not just yet, Major. All right. I'll surprise you yet, Ingalls. You've got the best plastic surgeon in the hospital. You go away, please. No, I'm sorry, but I've got to tell you what I'm playing on this team. I heard. You're a head doctor. Frightening word, isn't it? Go away, will ya? No. Now don't roll over on the other side, because I'll just come around there. I don't know what you think of a psychiatrist is, Harold... But it doesn't matter. I know what I am. I'm the human gripe box. Anytime you want to blow your top, come into my office. And have a heart-to-heart talk. No. Slam the door in my face when you're finished if you feel like it. If you want to talk, okay. If you don't, also okay. Well, I don't want to talk now. No. You want me to go away. Because you think I'm sorry for you and you hate that. I'm not sorry for you, Harold, you see. I know what the Major can do. I know what you're going to look like when he's finished. I'm just sorry for myself. Why? Giving you a new face is comparatively easy. That's cold medical science. Skin grafting, cartilage grafting, hair grafting. But the major can do it whether you help or not. The point is, though, that right now, if you want to sleep right now and woke up with the beginnings of a Hollywood face, you wouldn't care. And that's where I come in, Harold. Or did they call you Hal? Hal. You don't care. You won't give an inch. You're a stubborn, abstinent cuss. Well, it's my problem. You're certainly a tough character. So long. So long. Lieutenant? Yes? I... Now don't tell me you're going to break down and apologize. I... I was just wondering, could... Could you get me some beer, please? Coming up. Across the sea, the supply ships are being bombed now at Salarone. Here, Harold Ingalls is still without ears, without a nose, without a face, really. But eyelashes are starting to grow, and eyebrows. He talks to the boys in the next bed row. 
He talks to the Major about building a nose. He gets beer each day from Lieutenant Turner. But, although he is allowed to walk around the hospital, he will not leave the area without his bed. He will not leave the war to go to Lieutenant Turner's office. He will not leave the, his world to go into that of another one. That world where men have faces, where men have eyes, where men might look and turn away. Well, good afternoon. Hello, Lieutenant. So you finally decided to do some work around here? Getting exercise. Pushing a broom? It's something to do. Said he, coyly lowering his eyelashes. You feel funny. They don't look funny. Honest? Yes, honest. Well, I'll be seeing you. You have to go? How? I missed lunch yesterday, and if I don't go to the PX for a cup of coffee, there'll be a lieutenant left in this world. You coming back? No, not this afternoon. Oh. I'll see you tomorrow. Hi. I'll walk you to the door. Okay. You know that hospital zoot suit of yours is the best fit I've seen. Yeah, it's pretty good. You'd be the MD of the PX? Yeah. You don't know these boys there. They're worse than a pack of females. If they're going to compare operations, they're arguing over who has the zoot suit. Well, this is where I leave you. For a cup of coffee. And a ham sandwich. I... I... Why don't you try, Hal? I... Try. I... Yes, it's about time I bought you a beer, isn't it? They walk along the corridors now. This lieutenant, who is as frightened as a boy with her, but who talks easily, lightly, pleasantly. This lieutenant and this boy without a face. This boy whose knees are beginning to tremble. This boy who wants to run back to his own safe world. Shall we go in? Sure. Always jammed at this hour. You can trust me. There's a table, quick. Got it. I'll hold it for dear life while you get the beers. What? You're not going back down on that offer, are you? No, but... You get them at the counter over there. I can't. Don't you have any money? Yes. That's all you need, then. Go on. Okay. He gets up and walks through the crowd of boys in maroon hospital robes. Boys who, with one arm or one leg, boys in wheelchairs, boys bound in bandages. He doesn't look at them. He's afraid to look at them. He's afraid to give his order. And then, at last, he says, Beers, please. You'll have to wait your turn, soldier. She doesn't look up. This girl behind the counter. This girl, who is not in army clothes. This rather pretty dark girl, who is a civilian. She hasn't seen him yet. His heart is a stone in his throat. His hands burn around the coins he holds. His knees shake against the counter. And the girl looks at him. Sorry to keep you waiting. We're awfully busy at this time of day. What'll it be? Two of the biggest beers you got. Ladies and gentlemen, we now pause for Bing Crosby, who's swinging on a star. Oh, would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long, funny ears Kicks up at anything he hears His back is brawny, but his brain is weak 
She's just plain stupid with a stubborn streak. And by the way, if you hate to go to school, you may grow up to be a mule. Or would you like to swing on a star? Carry moving comb in a jar. And be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a pig? A pig is an animal with dirt on his face. His shoes are a terrible disgrace. He has no manners when he eats his food. He's fat and lazy and extremely rude. But if you don't care a feather or a fig, you may grow up to be a pig. Or would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar. And be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a fish? supply ships are being blown to bits off Anzio Beachhead. Here, for three weeks, Harold Ingalls' right arm is bound to the side of its face so that the living flesh from inside his arm can be grafted as skin for a new cheek. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. But Harold Ingalls' eyes are bright, and if you could laugh, you would. Across the ocean, they struggle to clear Naples Harbor for supply ships, and then they struggle harder to get supplies through to Casino Abbey. Here, in Valley Forge General Hospital... Harold Ingalls has tissue taken from his abdomen to make a lining for his new nose, as cartilage for that nose taken from between his ribs. Painful, tiring, and it takes so long. He goes out now, past the PX world, past the hospital world, into the civilian world on an overnight pass. But what does he do there? He goes to a dark movie and then to a dim bar where he sits in the last booth and orders double bourbons until he is quietly tight. Then he goes back to the hospital. You see... Even now, Harold Ingalls still does not have a face. Even now, he's still a very frightened boy. As the supply line advances with our armies past Rome towards Florence, Harold Ingalls' nose begins to take shape. His face begins to look like a face. His heart begins to feel like a heart, not like a wound. There is something that must be told him, though, something that Major Biddle must tell him. And he does one morning as Harold Ingalls drives golf balls on the range behind the hospital. Pretty good. What is it, sir? You're a busy guy. You didn't come out here just to watch my stance. No. Can I try a couple? Sure. Thanks. Al, a long time ago, I told you I'd play fair with you. Not bad for a surgeon. Well, I've given you eyelashes and eyebrows. But the hair is from the back of your neck. It grows. It's not the hair other people have for lashes and eyebrows. 
Another ball, sir? Please. Thanks. I've taken skin from your abdomen, your neck, your arm for cheeks, for your nose, for the beginning of an ear. Well, take that cheek. The skin is smooth, it's neat. But it comes from your abdomen. Abdominal tissue wasn't meant for smiling. When you smile, son, when you smile, it's not like when other people smile. When you leave here, you'll have features. You'll have a face, but it'll be a plastic face. Ten years from now, it'll look a lot better. But, well, the truth is, I'm not perfect. Plastic surgery isn't perfect. Not yet. You'll always have a plastic face, son. Could I shoot a couple, sir? Sure. Thanks. Look at that one. Not too bad. I knew it, sir. You didn't? Yeah, watch what you've done. I talked to the other fellows. I've seen them. I know. I guess I kind of hope that, well, I guess all of us, like this, hope that, well, anyway, I knew. Son, I know that this is a tough thing to take. But if you can remember, if you can understand that a face... Sir, please don't. I, I think, I think I know what you're saying, and... Maybe I'm a jerk. It's like not letting the folks come to see me. You see, I know what I look like. I know my face. Well, I guess you're supposed to be able to get used to anything. But having a... It's kind of hard, sir. Kind of awful hard. Hello, Lieutenant. Hello. Sit down. Thanks. Just see the Major? Yeah. Pretty low. Kind of crawling around the bottom, I guess. Me too. I've had a bad morning. Huh? Remember how you were the first... when you first got here? Well, they brought in a kid named Matt Goldstein a few days ago. Nineteen years old. Oh, yeah. Pretty bad case. Bad as I was? No, that's just it. You wouldn't talk at all. This boy's bitter, and that's the kind you can usually bring around pretty fast. I've just gotten no place, though. That's too bad. He's so unhappy. It gets me down. If I could only... Hal, I've got an idea that might work. Would you do me a favor? What? Would you do me a favor? If I can. You can do this, Hal. Will you go talk to Goldstein? Me? Yes. Your face to be used to be much worse than his. And his is now, when you first went into PX. And you go into town now, Okay. It isn't so wonderful, but it isn't so bad. You do it. And if you could tell him that... Can I also tell him we'll never have a real face? You know more about that than I do. You know what it feels like. If you think he can take it now, tell him. But talk to him, please. Lieutenant, I'll do anything for you, but... I know I picked a bad time, but I'd appreciate it so much, Harold. I don't know. I don't think I could talk to anyone now. I'd better go. All right, sure. So long. So long. You're not kidding, bud. Your name's Goldstein, isn't it? Yeah. Mine's Ingalls. Mind if I sit down for a smoke? I don't care if you burn. I have. Cigarette? No, thanks. Where'd you get your facial? New Guinea. North Africa for me? You're not so bad. You've got both ears and most of your nose. 
Yeah. Every night when I say my prayers, I thank God I got most of my nose. When I got here, the upper part of my face was gone, and as well as my ears. No kidding. Sure, this is all phony. The nose, too. Huh. It looks pretty good. It looks... Yeah. Looks pretty good. The other day, I was in a bar in town and I ran into a fellow who... You going to town? Sure. I'd go crazy sitting around here. I'd rather go crazy. Than what? Than be, wa- than be a walking freak to scare people. Thanks. I didn't mean you. I know. I know what you look like. Judas, the first time I went into town, I didn't even have a nose. What happened? Oh, some of them stared. Some of them didn't. I went into a bar and got plastered. I'd like to get plastered. I'd like to get good and plastered. Every time I think of what I look like, I want to get plastered. Every time I think of what I'm going to look like. Like me? No. Yeah, I know, kid. No. Kid, I know. When I get tight enough, I look in a mirror. I know. Well, I'm not going to be Mama's little beauty. Beauty's only skin deep. Tell it to the world. No, I figure. I got a bum face. Okay. But it isn't a guy's face that counts in the long run. The guy himself. It's what he is. It stays here. It says here. It's what we've got to figure, kid. I've got a long life ahead of me. You've got a longer one. We're sunk if we don't figure it that way. You don't figure it that way yet, do you? Well, anyway, I'm trying to. When you get plastered, who do you go with? He used to be a fellow, but he was discharged last week. Was he like us? Yeah, so now I go alone. If, if I can get a pass, can I go with you? Sure. I know it makes it good when there are two of you. Hey, how where you been? Over with Lieutenant Turner. Well, come on, we'll miss the bus. I'm not going into town, Goldie. Well, this is a fine time for you to welch on me, you one-eared buzzard. Two weeks ago, when I didn't feel like going, I went just the. What's the matter? Family's coming. Here? Yeah. Remember last week I told you the loot talked me into it? She can talk anybody into anything. Well, they're at the gate now. Where are they coming? Here. You want me to stick around? Would you? Sure. She's going to talk to them first. Who came? My mother and my brother, she said. Bill's okay. It was pretty tough. He's been around, but my mother... Yeah. Remember mine? I told you not to let her come. Try and stop her. And all that crying. Gets me the way she keeps coming back and keeps crying. Then she wants me to come home for a weekend. You'll have to go sometime. You haven't. I'm a lot worse than you. I don't want to go till... Goldie, how do I look? Straight out now. No oil. How do I look? You don't look bad, Hal. Honest, you don't. Phony, though. Well, a little. You can tell something's a little wrong. But you can't tell what. I think you look pretty good. No oil now. No oil. You do. Well, I hope my mother... Turner will give her a good talk. Remember that mother we saw? When was it? Two months ago in that restaurant? Which one? Oh, the one that looked at us and got all weepy and started yapping. And I've got a boy overseas, too. You know, I could have given her a... Excuse me. 
I'm looking for... Hi, Bill. Hal? Yeah, Hal. Well, it's good to see you, fellow. Great little hospital you have here. I was noticing when Mom and I came through. Really a great little place. Pretty nurses, too. Bill, this is my buddy, Matt Goldstein. Hiya, fella. Hi. Yeah, this sure is a great place. I'll bet they take fine care of you here. I can see why you wouldn't want to come home. Pretty nurses, great hospital. How's Susie, Bill? Oh, fine, fine. Everybody's been okay. How's Mother? She came out with me, you know. Do you... Look, Hal, do you... Do I what? Well, do you think you want to see her? Yeah. Let her come. Okay, okay. Well, nice meeting you, fellow. Thanks. I'll tell Mother to come in, Hal. I'll see you again. Sure. Thanks for coming. Well, how do you like my tough big brother? Oh, he just doesn't know. Yeah, but your own brother. You saw my mother in action. He's got a head on his shoulders. He has. Full of sawdust, the jerk. Did you see? He didn't even know me. Forget him. You're more of a brother than he, than he is. Now that's a real compliment. Oh, you know what I mean. Sure. Well, I'll get my mother over with quick, and then we'll beat into town and really get a tight on. You and me. Right. That's the best way. You and me. That's the... Goldie. Goldie. I hope she isn't like he was. Harold? Hello, Mother. Oh, Harold. I guess my little boy's a little bit hurt. Oh, Mama. Mama, I'm so glad to see you. Now Harold Ingalls goes home to Connecticut for a short furlough. Now, when he and Matt Goldstein go into town, he doesn't hide in bars. He doesn't get drunk. Now, he has 21 operations. Across the sea, the supply ships finally unload at Normandy on the French coast. Here, in Valley Forge General Hospital, Harold Ingalls has his 22nd, his 23rd operation. Skin grafted, cartilage grafted for a right ear. Matt Goldstein is discharged and goes home. And the first time Harold Ingalls goes into town alone after that, he gets tight. But only the first time. Across the sea, the supply ship lines push on to Paris. Harold Ingalls has his 24th operation. The supply line edges over the German border, and Harold Ingalls has his last operation, his 25th. 25 operations. 25 operations since Casablanca, since November 1942. 25 operations to give Harold Ingalls a face. And even so, it only takes one quick look in the mirror for him to see what everyone else can see. Harold Ingalls has a plastic face. He knows this. He knows this today. The day he is discharged from the hospital, from the army. He knows the army has given him the best face any human being could. But it has given him something else, too. Strength to face the civilian world. He is now at a railroad station in that civilian world, now with what the person who has done most to give him that strength, First Lieutenant Virginia Turner. She has come to see him off. Come to make sure that the last minute Harold Ingalls isn't frightened. I've still got 15 minutes before my train. Good. There's a bar right over there. How about a beer? No, thanks. You can go on without me. I'm a civilian. No. Look, you've got me so many beers and... Well, 
This is kind of like that first day at the PX. Oh, all right, Harold. Thanks. Boy, that seems like a long time ago. It was. I was some case then. I agree 100%. You'll never give me an inch. Why should I? After you. started celebrating a little early. Yeah, two beers, bartender. It's going to be a very good year, though. I hope so. You worried? Well... I'm not. You'll do all right. Two beers. Well, here's two. <clears throat> a lady soldier. As I live and breathe, a lady soldier. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Happy New Year to a lady soldier with a civilian boyfriend. He was in the army until this morning. He was. Look at his pen. He was just discharged. Well, you were in the army. Yes, sir. You were in the army. My, my. How'd you ever get into the army with a face like that? (laughs) Happy New Year. Let's sit down, Harold. No. Bartender. Bartender! Yes, sir? Double bourbon. You're going to get drunk. I think so. Then what? I don't care. Here you are, sir. I'll have another. Double? Yes, double. All right, Harold, it happened. Are you going to get drunk every time it happens? Because it'll happen again in a different way. I guess so. Just because there are one or two stupid people in this world. One or two what? Thousand? Million? I don't know, but I hope. I think by the end of this war, there won't be many. They'll change, but your face, that won't change now. You can't change the fact that you've got to live with them. I'll live with them. I'll live with my big brother. Harold, drinking isn't living. It's running away. You're just going to keep coming back to the same place. Here you are, bud. Don't drink it. Look, Lieutenant. Wait. Give me two minutes, Harold. Listen to me for two minutes, please. 120 seconds. Shoot. Harold, every single day people get slapped because of ignorance. They get slapped for religion, for color, for how they talk, or what they look like. You were slapped for what you look like. I know. Now I turn the other phony cheek. No, Harold. A face, man's face doesn't matter anymore. Then his religion, his color, his clothes. It's what... What is it? Spit it out, will ya? It is what... It's what he is that counts. You know that. You told me so yourself. You said it to Bat Goldstein. I was giving him a pitch. You were telling him the truth. It's what you are that counts. Sure, there'll be people who stare, who will flinch, who will make a darn fool crack. Ignorant people. Well, you're not. You're Harold Ignals. Your face is changed because you are fighting for your country, and you've changed too. You know plenty. Don't let anyone slap you. Tell them they're wrong. Don't run away, and they'll just do it again. Stand up to them, Harold. Stand up to them and tell them they're wrong. What time is it? You've got seven minutes yet. Well... It hurts, you know. It hurts pretty hard. It'll hurt less. Till the next time. And less after that, till finally it doesn't hurt up and it hurt at all. When'll that be? When you really believe the face doesn't matter. Lieutenant, how long do you think that'll take? For you? Not very long, Harold. Bartender, 
Discover what I owe you? You didn't drink this one. No. Well, take back a buck. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Are you ready? Yeah. Lieutenant, thanks. Well, a very happy New Year, Harold. A very happy New Year to you. A soldier. A soldier with a face very much like Harold Ingalls once made a wish. He wished that in every public place in this country there would be a sign that said, Please don't stare. Well, let's wish we never need those signs. Let's wish that the whole world will realize that what a man looks like doesn't matter. Let's wish that this will be the beginning. The beginning of a world where the only thing that matters is each man himself for what he is himself. Armed Forces Radio Service.